2: Presented by AT and T. Connecting changes everything. Kaboom!
1: If you thought four hours a day,
0: twelve hundred minutes a week was enough, think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic, a sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearing crazy. house of hot takes break free for something special. The fifth hour with Ben Maller starts right now. Nine,
3: nine, 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 nine. In the air everywhere. Back again. Another weekend has begun with the podcast because, hey, listen, four hours a night in the overnight are not enough. A spinoff of the Ben Maller radio program eight days a week eight days a week i hope you had a chance to hear the ben maller show podcast and now you are listening to this podcast so we do something a little different if you're if you're new to the parte and every friday we like to bring in someone who i know or i like who i want to talk to because we don't get to do that on the overnight show it's you know late at night it's hard to hard to get anyone to call in live and we generally have you the callers the few people that call up who are the characters on the show and stuff. So on uh, on Fridays here we like to bring somebody in and this week we are excited to welcome in a former NBA player someone who I actually have known for, you know, casually. Casually. It's not like we're, you know, we're best friends. But I've known this guy for many, many years. Uh, he played for the Clippers when I was a radio reporter, just getting started in you know in that early, mid-'90s period, and we became uh, somewhat friendly in that period of time. And he, he's gone on, had a big career, played over 10 years in the NBA. He's played in you know, the minor leagues of basketball uh, for the Harlem Globetrotters. We're talking about Derek Martin. He played at UCLA for the Bruins. And he went undrafted and the guy's had a 10 he had a 10-year career in uh, the wild world of basketball and has been a coach and broadcaster. He's pretty much seen and done it all as a basketball hobo, but I remember him as a Clipper. So, and he played with Vancouver and Sacramento and Dallas and the Toronto Raptors and Minnesota, all these teams. But I, uh, I have fond memories of, of Derek Martin as a Clipper, and he joins us now. And uh, Derek, welcome in. I know you called in the other night to the overnight show. It was great to hear from you. I've seen you pretty active lately on Twitter and whatnot. So uh, give, me the, give me the inside, Skinny. What have you been up to recently?
4: Well, you know, I, I had a good run as a coach. I was an assistant coach at St. John's under Steve Lavin, assistant with Kirk Rambis when he was at Minnesota Timberwolves. And then I was fortunate enough to be the head coach of the Reno Bighorns, the G-League team for Sacramento Kings, for a couple of years. So uh, the coaching thing was going good, uh, but as my son got a little older, I wanted to be closer to him. So me and Mitchell Butler have started our own training business. It's LegacyWestBasketball.com, and so we've been doing that, and it's, it's been taking off really good.
3: Teaching the next generation. Of basketball players, how to do it. So, I for those that don't know the story, like I, we crossed paths. You were playing for the the Clippers. You, we'll get to your your NBA career, but you played for the Clippers in the '90s. And I was a young punk radio reporter uh, in that time period, and uh, you know, trying to make it in radio. and I covered uh, you when you were playing with the Clippers, and I uh, I always appreciated Derek. You were very kind, you know. As you would admit, those teams were not particularly great in that uh, that time period at the sports arena, but. But looking back at, at that part of your uh, career, what, what stands out back in that, like the mid-90s, kind of that timeline?
4: Oh, man, just the opportunity to play at home in front of uh, my family, my friends. Uh, you, like you said, the sports arena was not really cracking like the Staples Center is, especially in support of us. So I was able to get about 30 tickets a night. And having the family come there, and it was just a special time for me to be able to uh, uh, kind of take off and establish my pro career, uh, making my mark that I can play in the NBA uh, right there in front of my friend and family. So it was really cool. It was really yeah. cool.
3: And, and I, you know, there's not a lot I remember about going to those games, but I do remember the night that you lit up the Utah Jazz. I said that the other night when you called into the show, but that was one of those. I mean, you just were. I mean, you, I think you made a bunch of foul shots, if I remember, but you scored. Uh, you're right around 40 points or something like that against the Jets. And that was when they yes, had John yes, St- that, yeah, Stockton and Malone.
4: I mean, that was a that's good That's what play. I had. Yeah, yeah. That was a great night. Funny story is, uh, I was, Poole Richardson was on the team. And we had played college together. And after the first quarter, I was feeling pretty good. I laughed and turned to it. I said, I'm going to have 35 tonight. He's like, yeah, whatever.
2: And I went out
4: and had a big night. And it was pretty cool, like, I guess. It was in front of my parents, uh, my family, my brothers and sisters. That was a really cool experience, something i always cherish.
3: Yeah, that was a night I remember. And now, yeah, as somebody that played for the Clippers in the uh, less-than-ideal period, and now they've been, the last few years, they've been one of the better teams in the NBA every year, Derek. Is it odd as just somebody that experienced the Clippers at the sports arena to see that the franchise actually doesn't stink anymore? They're actually good?
4: It's pretty cool for me. It really is. Uh, you know, I thought. Uh, Clippers have always been seen as the little brother in L.A., and that's understandably. You know, this is a Lakers town, and that's cool. Uh, but, you know, like I said back then, we, we get checks, too, even though sometimes they bounce, being from Donald <laughs> Sterling. Uh, but we were NBA players also. So to see the transition, uh, Mr. Barmer come in, uh, Doc Rivers there first, and then not, uh, now Ty Lue. They're really starting to establish a good culture and a place uh, where free agents will like to come. So, That's really cool for me to see. I'm I'm enjoying it.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: Yeah, and as an L.A. guy, I mean, you're from Long Beach. You're an L.A. guy. You played at UCLA, and I, I always I get in this argument. You know, all the guys I work with are Laker apologists, and they always like whatever the Lakers do, they defend. And I there's room for the Clippers, and every time the Clippers do anything, these people get triggered, and they're like they they freak out because they're jealous of the any success. <laughs> yeah, the, it, it's very it, annoying it, it's to. Funny, me. It's
4: funny, it, man. It is hilarious. I laugh. You know, I, I, my brother and sister have gotten me. Kind of up to date on social media and how to use it and everything. So I I like to go on and like you said, see all the Laker apologists and everything. It, and it's funny, you know. This town is big enough for to have the Lakers and the Clippers. I do think the Clippers need to have their own building, uh, kind of develop their own identity. And uh, I I have even tossed around maybe changing the name just to kind of completely move on from the Donald Sterling era.
3: What would you call them? What would you call the Clippers, Derek? What, what name?
4: Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't come up with a creative name yet, but, but I will be. If I do, I will definitely submit it.
3: <laughs> yeah. No. How about no? It's gonna be like. Uh, well, nicknames are a very dicey subject these days. But something with like I like just like the Hollywood stars or something. You can play in Inglewood. They're, they're building that arena in Inglewood in a few years. They're gonna have an yeah. arena, but uh, like something like LA centric. That uh, I you know I will we'll work on it. But uh, anyway, listen. Uh, I remember, I, before I forget here, Derek, when you were playing for the clips, I was doing, I was a reporter and then I became a talk show host around that time. I was doing the Ben and Dave show and you called in every once in a while on that I remember one time we were doing a remote from, from a bar and you were driving around and you were so cool. You showed up to hang out with us. And, uh, that was awesome. That was a, that was a, 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 a you probably don't even remember that Derek, but you
4: were. No, here. I do. I remember it. I definitely remember when I. Like I said, I've just learned about doing the social media. So when I found out you had a show, I just yeah. started to recollect all the things, like coming on your show, going to that remote. I really enjoyed uh, coming on your show, man. That was really cool. So that's yeah. kind of why I reached out to you. Just wanted to say hello and uh, see how you were doing and just tell you congratulations on getting, having what you have now because I remember those days. And I, I do remember that remote that I came to. We had a good time.
3: Yeah, it was great. We were like shocked. We were like, "Wait, an NBA guys showing up to our remote It's like weird." I mean, I didn't expect that doing the night show back then, but uh, and I I got to I mean, Derek, you have had you must have the biggest man cave of all the jerseys that it's like a Dr. Seuss poem, the places you'll go, the people you'll see. How many cities have you lived in as a basketball player? You've been all over the place.
4: Oh, I've been all over uh of Explaining to my son, uh, all the different teams I've played for. And, uh, let's see, the Clippers, uh, Minnesota, Dallas, Toronto, Vancouver, uh, Sacramento, uh, team in Pompeii, Italy. I played with the Magic Johnson, uh, tour teams, for, for in Russia. I played, um, for the Globetrotters. So I got a chance to see the world a huge blessing just all because of the game of basketball.
3: So how, how difficult – when you're, when you're a, a player, you know, bounces around, how difficult is it – I mean, we see this all the time. Guys get traded and stuff, and it's not, like, totally unique. But you've had to live in all these different cities. You've got to get doctors and all that. How, how big a pain in the ass is that, Derek, when you keep changing cities and you have to, you know, find a new location and all that?
4: Uh, you know, I've kind of gotten used to it. i kind of got used to it. If we went down for Father's Day, uh, me my brother – his kids, my son, my uh, sister's kids, and we were all in a hotel, and they just loved it. And I said, "Yeah, Uncle Dina lived in this hotel just about all his life." <laughs> 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 that was the, They said, "Oh, this is great." My son said, oh, "This is great, Dad. Can we do this all the time?" I said, "Yeah, your dad has lived that life, so you know it, it's it's fun. I kind of enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed it, especially when I got a chance, maybe also to uh, go overseas, playing Russia, playing in Italy, uh, to see the different cultures." Uh, and learn from the people in that city. Uh, so it's been fun. You know, I, I never saw it as a as a burden. I saw it as an opportunity to learn and, and see something new.
3: Yeah, and I love the fact. I didn't realize, you know, I lost track of you a little bit. I didn't realize you had played with the Harlem Globetrotters, and I was unaware of that fun fact. When I was a kid, Derek, my parents took me to see the Harlem Globetrotters, and it actually helped. I was a little kid. I don't remember how old I was. I was very small. Uh-huh. But I, I remember, like, falling in love with basketball uh, with all the you know the trick shots and all that stuff, so when you played right. with the, when you played with the Globetrotters, like what was your did you have a signature move? Did you have your signature go to thing that you would entertain the fans with?
4: No. So what they had was was a team that would play exhibitions against college teams like Syracuse, Michigan State, and uh, UTEP, and a few mm-hmm. other schools. And then after the game, the real game, then the Globetrotters that did the entertaining would come in. So I played on a team the first team that played the real exhibition games and played against uh syracuse utep and i remember this one game against michigan state shannon brown was still that was there at the time and uh he was supposed to be the defensive stopper and i kind of really got going had one of those nights, end up with 38 and during the course of the game mike uh uh, tom isle yelled at you can't guard that old guy I say, hey, little man! You, won't you come out here and try to guard me yourself? So <laughs> it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Manny Jackson uh, did a wonderful job running that uh, organization. Then Chad Groff was a part of it also too. So it was definitely a, a great experience and definitely something I treasure.
3: That's pretty cool. Yeah, I did see the story the other day. I think it was just for publicity. They said the Harlem Globetrotters said they wanted to be an NBA expansion team. They wanted to be an uh, expand. You can't be. they the globe trotters. You can't be in the NBA. No, yeah,
4: yeah. no, I can't be in it. it, it, it they would lose their lore. You know, they have a niche. They should just keep going with that niche. Like you said, they don't even know how they affect so many young kids. these days. Like you said, you fell in love with the game of basketball after going to uh, oh yeah globe trotters one time. So you know, I, I think they should just stay in that lane and 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 enjoy it and, and just ride it out.
3: Yeah, I I agree. So and. and- when i i told a friend of mine i said you know De- derek called in and he remembered you when you played and stuff and he said he said you gotta ask derek about the michael jordan story and so i was like i don't know what, <laughs> i mean so uh so i've been asked i guess this goes back to your vancouver days derek and it's a yeah it's a, it's yeah a- i've been
4: it's been funny i'm almost in the last six seven months <laughs> i've been on tour telling that story a few people have asked me
3: uh-huh. and it,
4: it's a lot of backdrop to it It was um Michael's out here filming Space Jams, and of course, everybody knows about the tent that they built for him, the court, and what have you. So, he's playing against mostly a lot of European players, and he wasn't feeling challenged. So, he called up Magic and said, hey, you know, you got any guys that can come down here and play, you know, local NBA guys? So, Magic called me and said, little fella, can you take a group of guys down there? So, I said, yeah, okay. So, all my guys at that time, we all grew up together, Chris Mills. Tracy Murray, Mitchell Butler. So we go down there to play, so we're waiting to come on and play. Finally, it's our game. i go into seven, and at 6-6, six, six, I come down on the wing, act like I'm going to shoot, and Michael jumps for the head fake, and I go by and lay it up, and I just commence to talk, <coughs> excuse me, trash to Michael for about the next minute and a half, and I'm telling him everything. Get out of my city. This is L.A. You're not the real M.J. Magic's the real M.J. Just get out of here, and everybody's just laughing. They can't believe this little guy is talking bad to Michael. Even so far, to so much that Chris Mills picks me up and my finger, fing, uh, feet are dangling. He's saying, Demar, stop, stop,
3: stop.
4: <laughs> so long story short, Michael comes on like two games later. I was like, there's no way because there's 30 people in here. You're supposed to be what? He's like, this is my gym. I'm coming on what I want. So he ends up beating us the next game. And now he follows me around the next minute and a half just talking trash to me. So that's the backdrop going into that year. And so he called Magic and was like, man, who's this little guy? He's like, oh, you must be talking about d Yeah, D-Mart talks trash. He talks trash. <laughs> so Michael and I kind of, you know, broke a little bit of a friendship. So fast forward to now we're playing in Vancouver. It's a 13-day uh, road trip for them. You know, most back then in the NBA, when you get to that last game, you're just kind of trying to get home. Vancouver was the last game on the schedule on that trip. So I came down. It was about two minutes ago. I made a layup and got an N1. I walked by the bench. I told you he wouldn't beat me tonight in so many words. <laughs> and so Phil <laughs> looked down at him like, all right, what do you want to do? So Michael had untied his shoes, you know, kind of put the towel on his head and was kind of just, you know, giving up for the night. So he tied his shoes back up, takes the towel off, checks in. He comes, stands next to me at the foul line. I got a pretty good picture of it. And he says, I told you about talking trash. Man. I looked up the clock. Said, "Man, you're not beating me tonight, buddy." So he went on to score the next like ten, you know, points to beat us down the stretch. And Byron Scott was guarding, me and he was so mad at me, walking into the locker room. He said, "Derek, if you're gonna talk trash, at least guard the guy." I said, "I guard him. I'm not scared of you. Right? So it was a funny thing. So afterwards, they told the ball. He sent the ball boys over to get me. So we just kind of sat down and talked. He's like, "Man, you don't ever stop, do you?" I said, "No." You put your pants on one at <laughs> a time, just like me. So I'm gonna compete and and do the same thing. So he laughed. He said, "I like that. I like that." So no, that's cool. yeah, that's good. After that, it was yeah. pretty cool. So we, could, you know, we got a little bit of a friendship. When we see each other, we laugh and talk about it.
3: Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I saw, I did see a clip, and he was like, he was, he, he had his, like, he was sitting on the bench, he had a towel on Jordan, like, he he was out of the game, and then he, because of you, he came back, and, and, uh, he came right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's a great story. Well, yeah. you are one, you were one of the few that played for the Vancouver version of the Grizzlies also, Derek, I mean, that, you played for yeah. both, you played for both Canadian teams. You are one of the few yeah, that have probably I done that, that,
4: right? I didn't realize that. My brother was telling me the other day, he's like, you realize you wanted of the guys to- let's played for both Canadian teams. I was like, "Oh wow, yeah. I didn't know that." That's yeah, cur- yeah. What,
3: what was it like? In, now a lot of like younger people probably don't even remember the Vancouver Grizzlies. It's been so long, but like, what was it like playing basketball in Vancouver? The team's been been in Memphis for many years now.
4: It it was amazing. That Vancouver is a very underrated city. It's beautiful up there. The people are nice. They got great food. I, I think the team, the the league, just. They didn't wait it out long enough. You know, basketball was new to that region. And so fans were just starting to understand the game. But they loved it. They supported the team. They came out and cheered. And it was a good city. For them to move the team from Vancouver to Memphis, I think, was really bad. I, I, I don't know if you you know like Memphis barbecue, but I think it's okay. But it was nothing like the food in uh, Vancouver. And just the whole atmosphere in Vancouver was, was so relaxed and, and really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I almost wish I could have played half my career there because that's how much I enjoyed the city and how much I enjoyed the fans and the people up there. They really supported the team. Be sure to catch live
0: editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the 3 and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks? Coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecom, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Yeah, and they loved you in Toronto too, right? Even though I mean, you were you were a backup guy in the Raptors, but they they seemed to embrace you in Toronto also
4: when you played. The yeah, Raptors. yeah, I really I enjoyed that. It, it, it's funny because now now I walked into the locker room and I was used to being the baby or the middle or the road guy. I walked into the Toronto locker room and all of a sudden I'm the old guy really quick. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> everybody in here is twenty two. I'm like thirty something, <laughs> right? So it, it was it was pretty cool because now my role kind of switched from maybe an everyday player, every game player, to sort of a backup and and a mentor. And it was really cool. You know, I developed a really good relationship with uh, Chris Humphries, with Jose Calderon, Chris Bosh, Anthony Parker, to the point where we all still talk to this day and check on each other. So it was a really good time. And I had a chance to play for Sam Mitchell, who I played with my rookie year in Minnesota. So things kind of went full circle, and that was pretty cool.
3: The circle of life. How weird is it, by the way, Derek? I mean, we're, we're around the same age, and, like, I don't even – it's hard to – I've become the old guy in radio and stuff, and it's odd to me. <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre. I don't I don't feel that old. I'm, I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you don't feel old. It's just It's a weird thing. Like, all of a sudden you wake up, and you're like, wait a minute. Well, like, you know, 25 years of my career has gone by. It's pretty wild, isn't it? <laughs>
4: yeah, absolutely. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. What happened here? You know, and I, I got up one day. And I got a little bit of a belly. I'm like, man, where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like overnight, just things change. Things change. But it, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Like I said, I'm enjoying the business with uh, Mitchell Butler and myself, legacywest.com. I'm enjoying spending uh, a lot of time with my son, teaching him. Uh, like I said, he's playing baseball and basketball. So I might also have a first base after, uh, oh, good. growing up good. here pretty soon. So uh, it, it's, been fu- it's been fun. It's been fun. I've been, now, I've been enjoying now, things right now.
3: Now your son's a little guy. Does he have the Does he have the love of sports? Or have you kept him off the video games yet, Derek? Have you been able to keep him off the video games?
4: He, he does. I like a few video games right now. His thing is the wrestling. He loves wrestling. The WWE. That's oh, his great! Thing. He's got a yeah. lot of uh, guys, uh, and every now and then we'll play uh, basketball or football. But uh, definitely into the sports. He enjoys it. He has a hitting coach that he goes to once a week. Uh, he 's really embraced basketball and he has a lot of fun with it uh, it 's really good and sometimes I get emotional just watching because he 's Derek junior so to see Derek junior just start to embrace the the, the love of sports is, is really cool
3: well that 's cool Hey, and you know if he loves wrestling, he could become a professional wrestler. There was a guy, Derek you know, that listened to my show back He used to send me emails back in the day, and he was going to wrestling school in Florida. They have a place in Tampa. And he uh-huh. became he became the wrestler known as uh, Rusev. Now he's he goes by the name Miro, uh, but he was at one point he was a big deal in the in the WWE. He had like a ten year career under the, the the ring name Rusev there, and then uh, he's. Ben, he's actually, you know we play we
4: use him on the game. I have to tell my son when I get off. Yeah, ball. yeah. And on the WWE game, Rusev is on there, and we play with him. Oh, that that's
2: that, cool. And, and cool. by the
3: way, and this will also impress your your son that the reason I became friends with the wrestler Rusev, who's now Miro, is he's a Clipper guy. He likes the Clippers, and he's, oh, he's, he's, that's he's good. yeah, yeah. He's actually he he spent some time in Southern California. I, I think I know he was living in Florida, listening to the show because uh, it's syndicated. Uh. But he he did he likes the Clippers, so we, we were bonding oh, talking about the Clippers. So yeah, so he probably knows who you are and probably watched you play back. Back when you were playing for the team, back in the day.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. If you ever talk to him again, tell him definitely he's got love for us. We got love for him.
3: No, no, absolutely. I I will. All right. So I want to – now let's get into meat and potatoes basketball, Derek. So you reached (laughs) out to me. You know, I do these crazy monologues in the middle of the night, screaming and shouting and all that stuff about basketball and what's going on in the NBA. But you played in the the golden age for many in the 1990s back against – you mentioned your – your friendship with Michael Jordan, and you played against John Stockton, and you know the the great teams of that era. What is the biggest difference? You watch the NBA today. You're you're, you're teaching basketball. When you watch the NBA today and the way it's played, the way it was in the night, what is the biggest thing that stands out to you?
4: <laughs> I, I'm going to say this, and I'm sure people would take it the wrong way, but I what, the first word that comes to my mind is soft. It, it's it's kind of soft, and and that's okay. I'm explain why. Because now they have uh, the scoring is up. Everybody likes scoring. So the league was uh, really good about trying to create what they call freedom of motion, freedom of movement. Uh, so it's less physical. And the scores are gone up. I, I enjoy it. I, I would love to play in this, this area. The pick and roll area. Oh, my goodness. If I could play pick and roll uh, every time down the floor. I in a space right now. But the biggest difference, I think, is just not, is not as physical as when I played. Uh, What they go to the monitor now to review as a flagrant one or flagrant two was just a normal foul by Charles Oakley or Buck Williams or Xavier McDaniel or uh, Sabonis when I first got in the league. So uh, it's just less physical.
3: Yeah. And they – they have to review everything, Derek. It's, I,
4: I like to watch these everything. games, but they,
3: why do they have to review everything? You don't have to, right? You, <laughs> you can play. You played the game, Derek. They did not review every single. I mean, they didn't even have that at the beginning. there And now everything's reviewed. It's insane. I mean,
4: why? Absolutely, it is. And, and the other thing that I think the league should maybe just tighten up on. And I don't know how you do it. I know they did have a fine in place for it, but you got to watch the flopping. It's, it's getting out of hand. It really is kind of getting out of hand. And it's almost uh, – it's very funny sometimes how different players can bait the refs in the calls, and there's really no contact there at all.
3: Well, even the uh, the other night in the final, Devin Booker, who had a great game, and he – he it's like they had an anvil dropped on his head, and they went to the replay, and he wasn't even, like, really touched. It was, it was yeah. wild, man. I mean, it happens all the time.
4: <laughs> it's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. Y- and then yeah. – when you get to the point where there actually is a foul, you know, so then it's kind of hard to decide between the two. So uh, they, they have to find a way to kind of tighten up on that a little bit.
3: Uh, now you also, Derek, I must bring up, you got, you know, I was praising Patrick Beverly. Uh, I was praising him with the, with the clips and the, the way that he was playing against the Sun. You though, you were uh, taking a, uh, a different position on Patrick Beverly. Uh, when I was praising him for the way he was playing in the, in this series against Feast. What was your, your opinion? Give me your, your high I, take I here. Think,
4: I think yeah. my, my high take is you, you really have to watch how he plays. I think he does play dirty at times. I mean, you can just listen to uh, what Russell Westbrook has, has said. He's hurt him. Uh, I don't think the headbutt, headbutt of Devin Booker the other day was um, unintentional. I think it was intentional. The, the foul that he made on Chris Paul coming off the screen where uh, his legs were Chris Paul's leg elevated in the air and he could have landed on his wrist or his neck or anything like that. Those are not basketball plays. And I think he makes too many of the non-basketball plays uh, to be considered playing defense. You know, that's not defense. And I played against uh, the Doug Christie's, the Derek Harpers, the Gary Payton's, the guys that were called so-called defenders, and they never made defensive plays like that, that that he does. Uh, Trying to make a steal or make a play where you – Undercut a guy or hurt a guy's knee, and, and now he's out for a period of time. Uh, you know, I just think that's unnecessary. So I, I'm not necessarily a big fan of his uh, the way he plays. It's uh, just it's just not my style, just not my thing.
3: Well, Derek, though, you have to admit though, he's found a niche, right? He's got he's got his niche. People know who he is, and he's been kind of like a backup guy most of his. His career, but he's, yeah, and
4: and, that, and that's what he is. And uh, as you can see, and I think in the series before the Phoenix one, uh, the the Dallas one, Tyloo couldn't play him because he, he, his skill set didn't fit what was going on. And it's just he's not a typical guard, in my opinion, of the type <laughs> guard that we played against in the nineties. You know, that most of the point guards, you had to be able to run a team, you had to be able to orchestrate, be an extension of the coach. Uh, make a play for yourself, and also make plays for your teammates. And uh, I, I don't see him doing that. Yeah.
3: So what, let's go back to that when you were playing in, against those guys in the nineties. Like John, I've heard stories about John Stockton and like what he was like to to go against. And kind of, he didn't seem like he was. Uh, I don't know if "dirty" is the right word, but he was always uh, in your business, uh, shall we say? Any. Any recollection back in those days, any John Stockton thing that pops up in your head there when you thought, think about Oh, them? yeah,
4: he, he was physical. He, he was, uh, I, I wouldn't say dirty, but he was physical with you. He'd bump you, he'd shoot you an elbow. You know, he, uh, he would get into your grill and, and try to frustrate you in a different way than what Patrick Beverly does. It, it was more of a competitor. You know, just if we were on the, on the streets uh, of Compton or L.A., This is how we play, you know, and, and and John was physical and, and and I loved it. It brought the best out of me, uh, having a chance to play against John Stockton. And a funny story, I got a chance to coach his son, David, uh, when I was head coach of Reno, Bighorns, And he and I would sit around and just talk about the different games I played against your dad. And then John started coming to our game. So I got a chance to, to kind of sit down and just talk to him, uh, other than competing against him. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And I, Told him he always brought the best out of me, and I always wanted. Well, uh, he said, "Hey, I I knew playing against you, I I couldn't half step." So it was it was a good little give and take.
3: That's pretty. That's pretty cool. And you're you're yeah. still you're still kind of coaching, right? Because you're doing the basketball. You've got the, uh, the 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 thing you're doing right now. But when you were coaching in the in the is it was it the G League then or the D League? What was it called at the time? No, it was it was the G League. I was it was right. just okay. uh, twenty
4: eighteen. I think. Oh, was it, was year. Year. it was a couple
3: years. It was a couple years ago. Really yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh-huh. like, like, what was it like coaching in the in the G League? There, like, well, you had obviously been an assistant before and stuff, but when you're the head coach and and all that, what was what was that like
4: for you? It was really good. I enjoyed it immensely because the role that those guys were taking is, is the same role that I took to get into the NBA. You know, playing on Magic's All Star team, uh, playing in the CBA, grinding it out. So I understand. Uh, what they were feeling emotionally, what they were going through, so I could relate to them. I could have, sit down and have conversations with them and kind of keep them positive all the time and, and uh, keep them focused on the right path. And it, it was really cool to be in that kind of grind with them. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to teach. I had a good assistant, Enrico Hines, um, who's doing great things right now with Sacramento in the development uh, with the players up there. So it, it was it was a huge, Huge blessing to be a head coach of the Reno Bighorns. And a lot of fun. You got to help some guys further their dreams. Uh, I got Marcus Williams. I don't know if you guys remember, played at UConn, played in the league for a little bit. I got him sort of at the tail end of his career and, and kind of got him playing at a level that he could finish his career just enjoying and, and happy. And we won two division titles when I was coaching and uh, we got to the playoffs ended up losing in the, in the second round. But it was a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun.
3: Awesome. Hey, Derek, I, I know I've kept you for a while here. I, I think I've gone over no word, a, lot, no a lot of time, You're but I, no, I, I, I appreciate that. No, seriously. And uh, continued success. And I have fond memories of uh, interacting with you back in the day. And uh, I'm excited that you reached out and call anytime. And you know, we're on late at night. So if you can't sleep, if you've got insomnia, Uh, We'll we'll be there and uh, and I'll uh, I'll shoot you a message. I appreciate it though. Thanks for doing this. Oh, definitely,
4: absolutely. You know, I'm usually up in in the evening, just relaxing, having a bottle of a nice uh, Chianti or Barolo. So definitely, I'll (laughs) I'll shoot you a text or a call.
3: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Ben.